Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Eric Cohn. And I'm Ann Thompson. And I'm back from Cannes, uh, more or less caught up on sleep. And and while I know you weren't on the ground at Cannes, I have to say it kind of felt like you were there in a lot of ways, not only because we were texting furiously at all kinds of moments throughout the festival, but also you saw a lot of the movies that people are talking about anyway from from your uh, from your uh, post in L.A. So how I was, was Cannes for you? Uh, I was. I, look, I I had horrible FOMO, and it was real. And I feel for you because you had to carry an enormous burden. I mean, you were running around like a, a jackrabbit, getting all this extraordinary interviews with the French Minister of Culture and the President of of Cannes, the new uh, woman. You know that. Uh, it, it, it is. I, fo- I found her very impressive, actually. Um, yeah, I, I like that. That there's You're someone that they're talking about. Yeah, you know it, that was fascinating. I mean, of all the obviously, I saw a lot of famous people and all that stuff that came, but it was very interesting sitting down with her because she's so so polar opposite her predecessor Pierre Lescure, a very sort of old school French. And an actor, right? Yeah, right. And 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 I and you know she's a German-born woman who comes from the industry side of things, not the art side. And she was an executive for Warner Media in France. And um, and I think because of that, it's just you get a different vibe from somebody who's not sort of pure cinephilia there's more of like kind of a how do we make can workable for the industry vibe which you usually don't get that messaging from can the messaging from can is like it's the art first and then the industry can kind of come along and do their thing but we're we're really focused on the art so it was was kind of fascinating to kind of get inside her head a little bit to the extent that i could and also you did well you did you you did well i um i was uh Lucky enough, thanks to Ryan Werner, thank you very much, to see Anatomy of a Fall, which I loved and thought was extraordinary. But I figured it would be Sandra Huller, you know, the, the great star of Tony Erdman, who and who also stars in Zone of Interest, the the other, um, the Holocaust movie that also won a prize, but not the big one. Not Second prize. Big, I have to tell you, I called this door. one. A lot of people didn't believe me when I said it. But I had already seen Zone of Interest when I saw Anatomy of a Fall uh, because Zone of Interest showed first. And what was fascinating, so Zone of Interest is a very austere drama, you know, in the Michael Haneke kind of playbook. Jonathan Glazer. Yeah, Jonathan Glazer, first movie since Under the Skin. But it's, you know, it's about the commander of Auschwitz from his perspective. And it's sort of this, you know, domestic drama, basically, about him and his wife played by Sandra Huller, you know, kind of dealing with these challenges of, of running Auschwitz. Is he going to get transferred or not? And, you know, kind of a fascinating sense of, of 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 gloom that pervades everything because of what you don't see to a large degree. So that but that film is one specific kind of conceit and you're either invested in that and, or you're not. And to me, when you're looking at like a jury, it seemed less likely you would get consensus on something like that than Anatomy of a Fall, which is a sort of fun, playful, Hitchcockian thriller of sorts. And, and a then court, and a courtroom drama. drama, which is right. always a popular, always popular genre. But it is her performance that delivers the goods in that. Right, but, um, as and, and well so, as it's written and directed and yeah. played out and how taught and unexpected some of the twists and turns are with her. Right, son, so everybody assumed that, that it would be. With her lawyer, all these different things that go on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're, But it's Sandra Huller who carries it. And yeah. you're hovering in this sense of state of ambiguity because you don't. She's a successful writer, and her husband is dead at the beginning, 
and you don't know like did she do it or not and so you're kind of with everyone else in this investigation and her performance turns on the ambiguity but here's the thing a palm d'or winner can't win any other prize right so that's essentially Understood. what undid that possibility there and then in zone of interest she's really the supporting character right. so so i think that's what happened there but neon bought zone of interest clearly fishing for a in a in a row a palm yeah. winner right? impressive also because i mean some of these you know titan they already had ahead of the festival this one they pounced on but the, 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 but they did parasite they they also uh picked up triangle of sadness right last year very well uh and won the palm door it was an it's an interesting year to watch because something like may december uh which i haven't seen um which is was always the sort of hot sales title. A lot of us just assumed that Netflix wouldn't be interested in it because we're, it yeah. was one of those foreign sales funded movies, and it, only North America, I think, in the UK were available. Um, yeah. So this was a, a surprise, and yeah, it was like sent this phalanx of people, including yeah. uh, you know their awards people, yeah. to uh, Can, and I have to say that I, I believe that has a lot to do with oh, it. Oh, hundred percent. I saw them. I saw them around. I saw them outside the the screening uh, after May December, and, and of course, like everyone else, got bombarded with questions. What did you think? Do you think there's any awards potential? The party got started really late because May December. <laughs> started like an hour late because it was the day that Killers of the Flower Moon and May December were playing back to back in the Palais. And of course, this three and a half hour, the Scorsese movie started an hour late. So I'm in line for this movie in the rain with all the buyers for a while, right? And so so all the buyers went to this movie and I was standing with like searchlight people, neon people, everybody. And then then there was an after party, which a lot of people went to. Netflix people didn't go to that. And I did a talk with Todd Haynes, like I think two days later, and and he told me that he had already gotten this whole pitch from Netflix. So they they moved fast, and, and then you know CAA basically waited a little bit to see if anybody else would pony up. But it is fascinating that they were able. There to was kind of one other deal. big buyer, apparently bitter, and um, it was an all nighter. Uh, I spoke to Christine Vachon. It's obviously going to be a fall, a fall, a fall. Yeah. Although I, I can't wait to talk about this movie with you once you've seen it, because it's very entertaining. Right. And it's and it's inspired by the Mary Kay Letourneau story, which I was growing up in Seattle when this happened, when this school teacher had an affair with a 12 year old and then had two kids with him when he was still a minor. And so it's it's inspired by that. It's Natalie Portman playing an actress trying to play this character played by it's Julianne Moore when she's and, older. And more, right? And that's Julianne Moore. Yeah. So it's it's an acting show for the two of them, but it's it's also it's a it's kind of it's not quite campy, but it has a almost a early De Palma ish air to it in, at times because Julianne Moore's character is so bizarre, you know. And, it, and so we haven't seen Todd Haynes in this more playful mode in, in quite some time, and that and I that's can't nice wait to, see. to see it. I can't but wait it's, to but see it. it well, I've just looking say, at it like, from afar. I can and looking at the review. That's what I do. I look at all the reviews. I read yeah, the, the reaction. Yeah, I have a, an yeah. objective, almost sense of it. Um, I I can see that it, it would be a challenge theatrically. Mm-hmm. So they're damned. I, I think it's fortunate for them that Netflix yeah. picked them up. But I, and, but I guess and eleven like... million suggests that if all those if some of those other folks were theatrical distributors bidding they would never spend that much no because it would be too not hard in this to market sell. not today yeah and those are i mean natalie portman is, is certainly a star but then this is not an obvious sell um and then the other thing that's interesting about it is like 
you really have to tell the story of, of Todd Haynes being this major director of these actors doing something that's really challenging in terms of their chemistry and stuff. And so you could kind of see the Netflix awards machine taking shape around this. It's not an easy one. It's not like everybody's going to just be head over heels. You're either going to be in the May, December camp, or you might be kind of mixed on certain things about it. So it's not obvious. I would say killers of the flower moon, which I know you, you, you saw um, and, and showed earlier is an easier Oscar season sell, even though it's three hours and 26 minutes long. No and, question. you know, no question. More I, mean, I, wrote, I wrote a story, you know, laying out how all of these perennials are going to be back in the mix, you know, Scorsese, um, Schoonmaker, you know, all the different uh, Prieto, all the different people, all the crafts people, but also Leo, who uh, choose the scenery, in my view, a bit. You know, oh, yeah. it's I mean, with this this incredibly, you know, against type the in a way. Actors will love it. Yeah. And Lily Gladstone. Mouth. He's got the teeth yeah. going, you know, he's yeah. all over this, this very tortured, conflicted character who genuinely loves his Native American wife, but uh, is also in the process of seemingly trying to kill her. So right. how does that work? Right. So you can unwrap the kind of genocidal metaphor however you want to. I mean, it's it does end up becoming more that crime element as opposed to this, you know, wide canvas American epic that people no, might No, it expecting. isn't a Western. As as people uh, advertised it, it's actually a, a Martin Scorsese gangster movie. Yeah, exactly. What happened in this shift that occurred that Eric Roth had talked about before, where the Jesse Plemons FBI character that was the center of the book and made right. the book a great Because it's about the beginning of the FBI. They they basically shifted to they shifted away from something that could be perceived as a white savior story. And I think they if if they had figured it out, they could have had their both, but they didn't um they don't bring Plemons in until two hours. Very late. Yeah. yeah, very late in the game. So and but it is a great show. That whole part of it away, really. It is yeah, it is a great showcase for Lily Gladstone, who you know, has not had a major role since she, she was holds in her own completely. Women, so. Yes. Yeah. So so that and, and she got the biggest applause at, at the yeah. From, at the and Robert De Niro and, and and DiCaprio are great fun together. It's great. To yeah. See Apple had a, a mixer for the film a day or two later at the, the Carlton and all of that cast hung out with all the journalists there for a long time. I mean, they were, they were ready to have that conversation. Even De Niro, who, as you know, it's sometimes not the easiest person to engage had his whole spiel that like one question about, you know, could this movie set off a conversation about reparations? And he had a whole monologue about that. So, you know, I, I think they've been media trained. I think they're ready to sort of deal with the complexities of this movie. And we don't want to spoil the end of it, but I do feel like the ending, it's going to be a real conversation starter too. So that's going to be fascinating for Apple to kind of figure it out because now they can wait. They got can out of the way and it went well enough and they didn't have to worry about whether they won anything because it was out of competition. It was the right now thing to got, do. It was the right thing to do. Even though it got rave reviews, I feel like there were a few reviews, if you parsed them carefully, because I read a bunch that that got into some of the weaknesses of the movie. But everyone is praising what's great about it. Right. Yeah. And Every, it's, that's, it's, they're burying those quibbles. In right. Well, that's I what had, they are. They're I had variations. Quibbles. 
I had variation. I felt that there was a lot of consensus around this movie. I had variations of the same conversation with a lot of people, not just critics, um, some of whom like me saw it in New York beforehand, but also just like other film people around the festival, which is this idea that the first hour of that movie is a super exciting direction for Scorsese as a filmmaker. And then it settles into a, just a more narrower, more familiar kind of Scorsese movie, which is not a bad thing because Scorsese makes great movies. In, a, in a different setting. And if you look at, at what the craftspeople accomplished, it's extraordinary. So, so it's just beautiful to look at, you know, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no denying any of that. Um, so that, that is going to be a huge Oscar contender. No question, no question about it. Um, and I think that Sandra Huller went back to anatomy of a fall. Yeah. Would be a, an Oscar contender too. Sure. And, and, and I, I, this will be interesting to follow, but my, my understanding from the way this movie has been discussed is that it was sold under the expectation that it could actually qualify as the French Oscar. All right. I saw the movie. I wasn't looking at it with a stopwatch, but there is so much English in it. Uh, you said, I think, in one of your stories that it was 51 percent. French. Yeah, that's that that this I, is what that the, technically on a on a on a technical thing. I mean, but the, the Academy will go in and measure all of that. Sure. They have to do and their own. Imagine that the French want to send seriously, even if it won the Palm d'Or, uh, uh, an English language movie to the to the Oscars. The only, I, I mean, they, they want to send a movie that they think. Will, yeah, I mean, they, they want to send a movie, obviously, they think could win. I mean, it's interesting because zone of interest could be the UK Oscar submission That's in, right. in German. That's right. Right. That and, makes more sense. Actually. But it does bring up the, this old question about language. I mean, they, they changed that rule a few years ago about, about you know, you didn't have to be in the language of your right. country, which is why UK can send a German language film. But you remember that whole thing with Band's Visit, where it was like there was a lot of English in that movie because it was Israelis and Palestinians using a common language they could communicate in. And, and the argument there was, well, this rule is absurd because there's there's a, a very non-American reason why they're speaking in English here. In this case, she's speaking English a lot of times because she's a German in a courtroom. Same thing. And, doesn't, and she speaks English better than French. So she's so it's it's there's a conversation to be had about that. And I wonder if that will be. I'm just again. sure. I'm just wondering if the French themselves want to present that movie as a French movie. That's my, that's my question. Well, now, I guess we have to see what their like. other options. Yeah. You well, we got to see what their options are. You know how, yeah. Well, if they, I mean, they, they sent people. St. Omer last year, which <laughs> was a tough sound for a different reason. No, I mean, if, if it, if it passes muster with, with the Academy numbers crunchers, uh, all, all power to them. So, so another movie that, uh, that didn't win at Cannes this year was Asteroid City, which I know you got a chance to see as well, the new Wes Anderson movie. He's a Cannes perennial, but doesn't usually win prizes there. And I think on some level it's because like, you know, you're again with Wes Anderson, you're either in that Wes Anderson experience or you're not. And this is so him. I mean, it's like a, a movie within a play within a, a film play or something like that but it's a radio uh, a radio cast with and, and then inside that is is a play which looks like a movie okay. inside the movie is an actress played by scarlett johansson preparing for another movie um it's fabulous i loved it the best review to read is eric david Ehrlich's, but he's a little over the top he was um, the most emphatic but but the thing is that 
I loved how divisive it was. I don't remember the last time Wes Anderson. No, there are people who don't really like divided. Wes Anderson because this is still you. You described it correctly. This is the ultimate Wes Anderson style. The the extraordinarily artificial frames and all the little details and all the art direction and everything. It's but but it's funny. Here's the deal. It's a comedy. I laughed my head off. Now, I will admit that I was the one in the screening room laughing louder and more often than anyone else or starting the laughter. But um, I think watching that in a big theater with a lot of art house patrons is going to be great fun. So this is a test. A lot of the yeah. distributors think that this movie, Asteroid City, is going to be the the real test of, you know, the canary in the coal mine. Will, will those... Um, uh, patrons, those art house patrons come back. It's funny because that we had, and it was a different climate, but we had a version of this conversation when French Dispatch was coming up. You remember everyone was steering clear of the release date for French Dispatch. And then that was sort of a lukewarm reception that it got. I mean, actually enjoyed it was it, one but... of those stupid omnibus things that he does. He does like this that. differently. He does well, this, this one. He, it, they're both playing with structure. getting his cake and eating it too in this I one think the there's structure. no question that he has become less and less invested in plot over time. And it's like, with just these last two movies, it's like you could see he just wants to kind of spin his wheels in his own artistry. And, and there is something to be said for that American director who can pull that off these days. You know, he lives in, in France, but it's still, it's a focus. This one has feature. the old uh, sweetness. So Moon, Moonrise Kingdom, Open Can, that, this is more like that. This has more of that whimsical sweetness where you like yeah. the characters. You're not disliking them all the I time. I mean, I think at the same time, the difference between this and Moonrise Kingdom is that that is, you know, a very accessible milieu. It's about a, you know, a summer camp and there's an adventure story of sorts. And this one, it's like you have characters who like are confused about their motivation and like walk off the set and then it becomes something else. So you really have to be invested in the meta devices. There's a there's a part of it where they're all talking at the camera that's even though I have I'm still sorting out my overall feelings about the movie, it's probably one of his best sequences ever the whole you you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep something so like he, it's just you really have to be into it but he'll you know if he's if he's playing with the frame and he's playing with the windows that you're looking through he'll just take you through another window there, there's an yep. extraordinary yeah. uh, moment uh where one of the characters goes through the the theater set with where adrian brody is the director and walks out to a balcony and yeah. talks to another character. Right. Um, who's playing somebody who's playing, who we've already unbelievable. Seen. Unbelievable. So so uh, almost like a Christopher Nolan kind of a thing or something. It's, it's like it's very meta. Layers of it's reality. very good. I, I think it it what do we want? We want a movie that kind of challenges the brain, you know, that keeps you guessing, keeps you on your feet. That's what this yeah, is. Yeah. So so I and guess it's also visually stunning. Speaking of visually stunning, we both saw the new Spider-Verse movie. We did. We did, yeah. Nice transition <laughs> to a movie that actually I think could have been an out of competition can screening. Honestly, I think no that would question. have been. I mean, they had Indiana Jones there and stuff. Like to me, this would have actually been even more exciting because it's you know just this one opened. deserves to be in can on an and artistic yeah. level. There's yeah, no yeah. I mean, I think it. what's cool about it is seeing it five years after the last one, and and the visual style has only gotten more ambitious. Like every frame. The backgrounds change and so They're forth. Playing with it, there's this wonderful moment where this character is very sad, and the 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 the, the walls around her are dripping. Dripping, yeah, They're like water, like rain. You know, they, they, it's they play around with it in a beautiful way. Um, the graphics of this thing are extraordinary, and I know that 
behind the the scenes, the the um, uh, algorithms involved are very complicated. It's yeah. very difficult to do this painterly kind of, uh, of of animation. It's much more challenging, but it's so beautiful. But it's a script, and Lord and Miller and and their other writer actually make this work. They anchor it. If it weren't comprehensible. Yeah, it's incredible how complicated it is, and yet how simple the story itself. Well, is. Well, it's—I mean, it's another multiverse story, right? That's almost like a genre unto itself these days. So audiences are there from the get-go. So you have to like rise above expectations to do something smart with it. I mean, my one quibble is that you know it's something. There, there was something sort of like the shock of the new with that with that last one that wears off a bit because now it's a franchise itself. And so there's, they're setting up all these issues involving the multiverse, which we won't spoil, but it, I, I think it's fair to say it ends on a cliffhanger because there's another one coming. Uh, I, also, I don't know. The voice Doesn't work is to? extraordinary. I mean, suddenly you've got Brian Tyree Henry, you know, doing a voice, you know, it's, there's some good stuff in there. There's a, there's a bunch of good voice actors in this one, but it's still, you know, Haley Steinfeld and, and uh, she make more seem like they're, they're like the core of this thing and 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 really um and and also really the carry. two uh fathers are very strong uh I, each of them i think there's something fat so i i went to uh i missed like the official uh, all media they did in new york but there was a dolby a special like dolby promotional screening that i went to like they handed out a fact sheet at the door about dolby screenings and someone introduced and explained what dolby technology is and stuff and um it's also i think an interesting test of kind of the theatrical the, the theatrical context of a movie like this, because, you know, at home, I'm sure it'll be fun to watch, but there's something about how like intense visually it is, like, because it keeps changing, like every shot is, is, is very different. And each of the characters really is wrought in a different way. Some of them yeah, have yeah. kind of cartoon, um, the comic book uh, uh, facade on their skin, you know? It's, yeah. I, I'm still not quite sold on on the two the two and a half hour standard. I'm not sure why they always. Have, I mean, there's there's a lot that happens in this movie. I would say like the first hour, I was like, wow, this is really it moves at a great pace, and then you get a lot of plot. I mean, just like a Ooh, lot. Of also, stuff but I also kept recognizing that I was smiling at the at the at the screen. I was sitting there smiling. And if as long as that's going on, as long as it's delighting you, I would say the same thing about the Little Mermaid. There are moments in the Little Mermaid that delight you in the same way. Again, too long. I, I didn't see. I didn't see it. Of course I, I didn't not. See it You're to not the target demo. Eva no, but I did watch. I look. I demo. I'm the VHS generation. It was around in my house. I saw it. I know it the same way. I know Lion King. I mean that, that it was. It's. I'm. I'm still not sold on this concept of, of no. remaking animated movies. They're not live doing action. it for us as much. No, although it's actually working. If you, if you look at the demos um, also for the, for the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right. Which is the biggest hit of the year so far, extraordinarily. So um, that, that movie uh, it's, it's the parents and the kids, you know, the parents who saw the original and the, and played the game. And their kids, so that's what's going on. It's a general. Oh, you you mean um, Super Mario Brothers? What did I say? Teenage Mutant Ninja Ninja Turtles. Not out yet. I mean the Super Mario Brothers. It makes no difference to me. It's just (laughs) through how much I know. Leave it in, (laughs) because that's the problem with today's IP, right? It's like so interchangeable. It's frustrating. I was looking. I was looking at the at the. 
So is there a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie about to open? Yeah, with well, Seth Rogen wrote it. And it so, so I'm I'm like looking at that and I'm going, didn't they just open that? Didn't that just happen? I know, but that's, that's, how that's confused the, that's the I am. But that's the problem with what's what continues to be an issue with the IP factory is that they're playing with the same brands that you're so overly familiar with there's no sense of of freshness anymore and like the disney problem is a microcosm of this larger issue i mean indiana jones may theoretically be the last indiana jones movie and they say they're not going to use all this footage of of harrison ford to do more but they will they're gonna they're gonna go i think they've even admitted that they're just gonna do series on tv you know they're gonna do something right young indiana jones or something right i mean younger younger indiana jones we can talk about that one when you get a chance to see it but i did get i did come out of seeing it at Cannes, thinking while this is not a critically well-received movie at Cannes the fans will be much happier with it. It's a critic proof kind of thing, although it may skew relatively old. So that's that's the limitation that it has on well, it. Well, yeah, Harrison Ford is 80 years old. So it, I'm the target know. demo, so there you go. He played the can crowd so well, though. I'm sure you saw that clip everybody else did. Oh, I watched it. told him he was hot. I watched it. And he said, and I saw the Esquire profile. He's working it. He's been working it for a yeah. while. He's been doing talk show appearances. I think the pandemic did something to him. He didn't like being inactive and he jumped back in with both feet while he had the chance. That's certainly safer than whatever he's up to when he's flying planes around. So, know. you know, that's you all he that. wanted to talk about in Escort. I like 1923 very much. So, um, uh, and, and you know, the other one uh, shrinking is okay. Yeah, he's fine. I haven't had a chance to catch up on those. I'm certainly curious about 1923, though. I've never been a Yellowstone person, but I feel like I need Yellowstone to Yellowstone is, is fantastic. I love Yellowstone, but um, uh, I, I, I actually like even more the 1883 and 1923. Mm. Um, mm. They're, they're fabulous. So, so an, another movie that's opening this week in addition to Spider-Verse on a very different scale, obviously, is Past Lives, which uh, I saw back at Sundance. Did you see it then or did you see it later? Past Lives was one of the films that you couldn't see online at Sundance. Right, so and I saw you were not there. Afterwards. Yes, and that was one of the ones. And this was obviously a choice by A24 because if they had put that film in competition at Sundance, it would it, all the films in competition at Sundance were available virtually and A24 wanted to contain it to the in-person thing. Then it went to Berlin. So it did its international premiere at Berlin. And it's been sort of quiet since then. So and now it's opening. It's now opening it's in on, theaters. On, uh, today. Uh, so the, 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 this is an extraordinary debut. That's the thing. When I, I sat down and talked to, to Celine Song, who is a, an established playwright in New York, very much an autofiction, this movie, based on a real thing that happened with her and her American husband and her uh, childhood sweetheart from Korea. You know, so yeah. she had the same narrative where she left when she was about 12 and moved to Canada and came to the U.S. to become a playwright and married, you know. And he actually, uh, Hey Sung, the character in the movie, um, came came after her to, to, uh, to, to find her. And I, so the real scene is in the movie, you know, they, they fictionalized version of it. And that's the nugget. That's the center of, of the movie, but it's not so much a romantic triangle as it is something about opening doors from the past and recognizing yeah. what you could have been or what the alternate reality might've been. Yeah. 
it's an element of um, when you left, if you're an immigrant. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of it's before midnight through the framework of of the Korean American experience in a way. I mean, it's it's very much it's this subtle, talky, existential. You know, I want to say two hander because it's not it's not entirely a three hander. It keeps not sort of really. Shifting. You're right. It's more of a two hander with the with the husband on the side. But he's Don Magaro plays and and, and actually I, I met um, Celine Song's real husband. John McGarrow introduced me to, to to him at a party, and it was fascinating. It was like it was so clear that this was a, a real person. You know, like when you watch the movie, you are you feel like you already know these people. I mean, it's it, it really, you it's live so well in that done. So basically, the the conversation is, you know, how does somebody who's never directed a movie before direct one with such assurance? And the answer is that she knew the story she wanted to tell, and she told it. And everyone around her, A24, Killer Films, uh, 2 a.m., they all recognized that all she had to do was learn the mechanics of filmmaking and she could deliver this story. Yeah. And, and and she did. And when you talk to her, you see you see how well she delivered it, how smart she is, how um, how well she understood, you know, not just the mechanics, but, you know, how to pick the right DP or, you know, she got the guy from small acts, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. What yeah. And did. it's a great New York movie too. I mean, it's like, they shot it all over the city. I think I'll, it's, I, I mean, I, I'm hoping as with the Wes Anderson movie, that this is a, something that Another resonates in our has, but it, in. it's, it's always an interesting question. I mean, it's, it's obviously very well reviewed. That's a key part of the strategy here is that it's so unanimous. It's, it's at 96 right? on Metascore, which is extraordinary. I think it's the but, best reviewed movie. But there's there, no stars and it's a, it's a romantic drama, right? So it's still for, it's from quiet. a theatrical standpoint and a very quiet. competitive market, you know, do you go see that or Spider-Man? I guess older audiences who, who maybe don't care about Spider-Man, but that the thing about Spider-Verse, it's interesting. It's like, it does make a pitch to an older, somewhat no more sophisticated I related to it. I, so. I totally was into it. I, I have to say um, that'll be a strong Oscar contender for sure in the animated uh, uh, category. But Past Lives is, a hu- is, is something that could be a very strong Oscar contender. And it's interesting that A24 is playing it out this way, opening it in the summer. They've done this before. And, yeah. and hoping that it has the strength to, to last you know, all the way to the end. Yeah, I mean, they had a they had a quieter can. I mean, they had the Jonathan Glazer movie, and I suppose if that had won the Palme d'Or, you know, days before this movie opened, we'd all be talking about how A twenty four continues its winning streak after everything everywhere. But we'll see how the Glazer film launches. Now they have to kind of figure out the next phase for that one. I mean, it won the the second It'll be prize. A fall. They'll do a fall thing with that. But they are very. Martin's we're back into and, guessing what's going to be at Telluride in Toronto. Yes, exactly. York, you know, we're we're, we're into that, that now. Calendar that is inexorable. Meanwhile, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that for all these movies that we've seen that we've been talking about, most stuff is not getting made right now because the strike continues. Um, I tried to ask because I was at a lot of press conferences you'd normally cover it, Ken. I tried to ask as many Americans as I could about it and obviously got a lot of vague answers from people like Kathleen Kennedy, who said, you know, of course, we're on the side of the writers and it's a complicated issue and we hope it gets resolved, which doesn't really mean anything. But it is really hard to tell because I know. But I mean, the thing oh, you, is, were, you were chasing Bob Iger. I loved that. I did. I did chase Bob Iger. Could not get Bob Iger to talk about the strike. The, um, you know, he, the thing he could be called in to wrangle it, although the current thinking 
um, is that he any well-paid uh, that's the narrative that the writers have been, you know, laying out there, of course, is that the Zavlovs and Igers of the world are just so extraordinarily well-paid, ridiculously, obscenely well-paid, you know. That, well, Zavlov was at Cannes, too. In and the, he very, got hit off the booing in Boston, you know, I all know. of that. But but he, I, got, I don't know, you tell me, I got the sense that this sort of egregiously wealthy group of people that got together, uh, he and Graydon Carter threw a party, you yeah. know, it was like Graydon Carter couldn't get the Vanity Fair out of his system. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it didn't play that well. At least it didn't no. look like it did. The optics were weird. I mean, I, I saw Zaslav at the party for the idol, which is a very sort of, you know, trashy kind of a thing, thing. right? Yeah. I mean, it visually... You didn't see Euphoria, it, as I recall. I have seen, I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen a good amount of it. I mean, it, visually, it's 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 quite similar, uh, but it is it is certainly going to provoke a strong reaction. It premieres this weekend, the first of five episodes, and, you know, it's it's the weekend playing a sort of predatory cult leader who, who invades the life of this pop star played by Lily Rose Depp. And while it, it is supremely male gazy in parts, there will be arguments that it is also about that. And we because we only saw the first two episodes, we don't know how it resolves that issue. Um, but but I, but it was fascinating because the after party was started like after 1 a.m. Because, of course, that's what happens at Cannes. They had like caviar with vodka shots and really loud music. So you had to shout to converse with people. And Zaslav was there under the neon red lights, you know, hobnobbing. So, you know, very much invested in Cannes after he went there for the first time with Elvis last year. Um, and it's, it is very strange in a way to, to be doing that when you have this real sense that this strike could go on a really long time. Although the DGA negotiations are ongoing and, and wrapping up soon. So I guess we'll see if that has any impact on anything. It's, here. it's really a fascinating situation. But the, but the idea of a mediator coming in, you know, that's the, the scenario that has been painted for me is that what while the while the AMPTP, I hesitate to call them the producers because there is a producers guild and the producers guild is very much in support. They have expressed their support of the WGA. So the AMPTP, it's more that they're the studios and the streamers. Um, they are, in fact, um, getting hit by the fact that the WGA is capable of shutting down individual productions and they've been very successful at doing that. Yeah across yeah. a lot of different locations. They're getting more and more ambitious about it. And they can call up their membership and say, show up at such and such a place at such and such a time yeah. with your signs. And you can you can shut down this production. People won't cross the picket line. Yeah. So so that's being that uh, that is new. That that is being very effective. I mean even the old man got shut down, you know, the season two of that. Um, and but the other thing is that the uh, AMPTP um, offer that everybody looks at when they send it around online, uh, they were ridiculous about AI, right? They said we'll meet every once in a while and talk about it. Yeah. On, if you talk to people on the studio side, they definitely say that they don't want AI to be part of the process, that that they support their writers and, and writers but, who are the ones who write. So they just have to come up with some language. But to, you have to look at what, what's there. actually happening here. So so David and I did Screen Talk Live last week at, at Cannes. And of course, you were missed, but we you had a really great job. So that so the Q and A we got actually a question about like Chat GPT and how AI could affect things and 
Um, I, I've been playing around with it constantly now that there's an iOS app for it. You can just do it on your phone. And it, it is fascinating how fast you can generate ideas, you know, answer questions and so forth. It's not a question of, you is know. It, is it trustworthy, though? Well, the thing is that there are ways in which the truth. Um, That's the thing. That's what I've heard. AI cannot tell what is true. Well, no, AI is it's a it's a it's a large uh, data set drawing on existing material that's out there. So it, it can only base its truth on the on those things. And each time you give it a prompt, it's ingesting new ways of processing that data and supposedly getting smarter each time. But the bottom line is that studios are already playing with this tech and it's not just chat that's just of the only one we have playing with it but i but 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 the 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 question is what language are they going to come up with and how are they going to protect the, the the writers do have to be protected in this in this ai conversation right yeah to me the it's like the right I, i've said it before that i think yeah maybe. but i think that they're what I think the demand should be more specific. It should be about ensuring that writers are involved in use of AI for ideas, as opposed to saying that you writers will not adapt AI generated ideas. It's it, it has to be more specific than that. So I agree with you. We'll, we'll see how that evolves. Um, anyway, um, and, then, and then the other question about the moderator would be that it would be more likely to be someone like Brian Lord of CAA than it would be to be a tainted ultra rich studio chief right because everybody uh, he reps like half of hollywood so people really respect him and and so forth well we'll see how that plays out in the meantime we've got another film festival around the corner because tribeca starts next week it's not can but it's an excuse for you to be in new york and for us i'm excited uh, i'm excited together the one thing i look forward to more than anything else at tribeca are the docs so there's a lot a very rich lineup of docs and it's a strange year because sundance was oddly weak um in the doc universe and um nothing really popped out of south by unless i'm mistaken uh, please let me know if there was something that was there that i should have seen and uh and then can had more docs than usual it actually had two docs in the competition which was totally unusual last time they had that was fahrenheit 9-11 which actually won the palm door but the um they didn't they didn't win anything uh, one of them won uh, a prize out of uncertain regard which was unusual too yeah so, but they, but nothing popped out of there either. No, I mean these were these were contender. These really. were experimental or or and a lot and of challenges. Yes, I mean the the Wang Bing film uh, that was in in competition was a three and a half hour documentary about um, you know Chinese factory workers that people who saw I didn't have a chance to work it into my schedule. People who saw it told me they liked it, but it you know it's a challenge. And, and one person who had. Um, a Chinese family told me that if you don't know China, you won't understand all the nuances of it. So it's an interesting choice to put that one in competition. But, you know, I suppose I'm glad it- that, that Terry Fremau is recognizing that they need to be, you know, in a year when Laura Poitras won Venice or another documentary won Berlin, you need you need to be uh, aware that documentaries are, are legit. You know that they should. Right. They, they want they want line. cinematic ones, right? They don't want talking heads, and there's plenty to pick from in that respect. So, is there anything in the Tribeca lineup that um you're excited to see? 
I am excited to see, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to see one of the fiction films because it's Christian Petzold, uh, a fire. Uh, yeah. A fire. That was at with, Berlin. Uh, yeah. With, with, with uh, Paula Beer, you know, who won a prize in Berlin. So I'm excited to see that. The, uh, there's a long list of docs. Uh, you wrote about one of them, uh, rather I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that, the Dan sure. doc. Um, and there's one called the league, which I'm interested in, which is about the, the, the Negro leagues, uh, in baseball. Um, and, uh, there's a whole list. There's a long list. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this film that, that won at IDFA earlier. I believe it's a, a Danish film called Apollonia, Apollonia, um, that follows a, a 13 year old girl. She sort of figures out her creative identity and, you know, it's, it's a kind of open-ended description that is always exciting for a doc. Cause you know, there's, there's a more personal element to it, but it, it's already been validated on the European festival circuit. So I'm excited to catch up with that one. Um, and, and, um, and rather I saw as a very good overview of, of Dan rather there's a narrative feature called uh, mountains from a director out of Miami. It's the first feature about uh, about a, an immigrant family in Miami that looks quite strong. I mean, if, if you do make a narrative, uh, see a good narrative at Tribeca, it's usually a first feature, uh, maybe didn't have the right place at a festival earlier in the year, and, and it gets a chance to, to get a good boost out of Tribeca. So we'll be digging around for some of those uh, surprises. And, and there's uh, some and good uh, Tribeca it. talks with Fincher and Soderbergh. And yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. And that's always exciting. Um, those two, though, you know, you can't really count on them to necessarily come up with much in the way of revealing things. We'll see. We'll see. Um, DVD. Yeah. And then there's there's a I think we're going to do a live screen talk. Yeah. Most important Tribeca talk will be screen talk live. So stay tuned for details on that one. Well, Anne, it's it's nice to be back in a reasonable time zone to get work done. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you in New York soon. But have a great weekend. See you soon. Bye.